Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. We are so glad you joined us. If you're brand new to the show, feel free to click subscribe. Uh, yeah, let us know that this is helping you. Share it on social media. It's good to have you here. My name is Kerry Newhoff, and I'm here with David Kinneman, president of Barna. Hi, David. Hey, Kerry. How's it going? It's good to see you. It's going, going great. I'm glad you dug into um, asking pastors where they were at. So we have some reasonably fresh data, as in the last couple months, and yep. we got a little bit of a, a, a poll as to what the top issues were facing church leaders right now. So can you walk us through what we found? Yeah, happy to. I think today's theme is really these considerations and thoughts about new ways of doing ministry. I think we're um, in a new wineskin moment. I think um, mm. you know God is always on the move, and there's always new things He's doing, and of course, His character and His love for his people never changes and jesus is the same yesterday today hmm. and forever but but the times change the context changes there's new there's moments where there's a new level of urgency there's openness to to, to new thoughts and ideas and i think we're um you know we're in one of those periods where coming out of so much disruption um certainly it's happening into the workplace like people aren't you know working in the same ways and in the same you know kind of with the same expectations and um so I, I think we're in, in a really fun and exciting time of ministry. And so with that, uh, what we asked pastors was um, a little bit about um, their top needs. And so we find that the top needs of pastors today um, are a deeper connection with God at 51%. Mm. Um, that was the 51% of pastors listed that as their top their top need. I wish it was 100%, but I think that's great. That became the, that was the top-rated item out of all the, the items that we gave uh, pastors to choose from. The second was more clarity on how to lead in today's culture uh, hmm. at 48%. And Tide was a vacation and sabbatical. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we've joked before, like, pastors just need a nap. And I think I think, uh, I think that's true. So that that came up as as the tied for tied for second place uh, among the top three uh, issues that pastors are feeling. So I think that's a, a good indicator of where pastors are at. I think, too, with sabbatical, too, we often think of sabbatical as, I'm exhausted, I need a break. But I think it would be really helpful. Like, so much has changed. I'm taking July off. It's not a sabbatical. But I'll be thinking a lot about how the world has changed, trying to make meaning of it, you know, and definitely taking a break from it, but also trying to understand it. And sometimes one of the best ways to figure out how to lead in today's culture is by taking a break from it for a few weeks, a few months, whatever you would get. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to share with us before we jump into the interview? Well, I think the other thing is we've been asking a lot of questions around whether people believe um, that they're, you know, interested in new ways of conducting church ministry and, more leaders than ever are saying that's something that they're um, they're interested in, and especially those leaders who are considering quitting. Now, we've talked a lot on the show the last um, six months or so about this sort of crisis of leaders wanting to quit, and we know that the number now is about two in every five, 42% was the most recent number of pastors mm -hmm. who want to quit. 
Um, I think that's a, a, a sort of flashing red light in terms of, of uh, the signals that it tells us and even younger leaders are more likely to want to quit. So we should just, you know, again, sort of camp on that and say, that's, that's, that's not good. It's not um, the reality that we want where leaders are, are, you know, questioning their calling. And, and, and at the same time, we know that sometimes these periods of disruption, they cause us to go back to a deeper place of what do we really want? And it's such a good sign that pastors are saying, we want a deeper connection with the Lord. And among yeah. those pastors who are considering quitting, 62% of them said that they are very willing to consider new ways of conducting church ministry, uh, but they believe their congregation is much less likely to be you know, game for that. And only 10% of pastors think that their congregations are going to be game for new uh, ways of conducting ministry. So that's, I think, a, a really important thing. In, in, in particular, then, we talked about some of these needs a minute ago, you know, connection with God and understanding culture and vacation sabbatical among those leaders who are considering quitting. Um, they're much more likely, they're twice as likely, in fact, to say that they want professional support in their job as a pastor. And so, you know, there's just, there's a lot of things that are kind of roiling under the surface. I was, um, I was in Hawaii at spring break with my son, which is a fun, fun, fun trip to take. And I was staying with my brother. He's uh, in the Navy. He's actually on a medical ship right now. Uh, sailing across uh, from Guam to uh, Southeast Asia and they're doing sort of me medical work and he, he'll play, he plays the he plays in the Navy band, he plays trumpet. And um, so anyway, it's uh it's been interesting to, you know, see his, his career unfold. Um, and, and so we got to visit him before he was, he was uh, shipped out and my brother, my, my son and I visited, stayed in Honolulu area. And we went, we went snorkeling one day near a place called electric beach. It's on the, the Western side of Oahu. And uh, there are these big pipes that come out from an electrical plant and kind of warm water. And it's, it's actually like, it, it's, it's pulling really cold water actually from, from the, from, you know, deeper in the surface, but also some of the warm water from the electric, electric power plant. And I had this picture as I was like, you know, kind of just floating across the water with the, the fish and the turtles and other others of like these deep waters being stirred up by the conflict that we've all mm. been through by, by these, by these last two years. And, um, and I think there's some, you know, there's some nutrients that are coming to the surface and it was, it was fun watching some of the big sea turtles, you know, like kind of swim up next to the, the, uh, this, this big outlet, uh, this big, you know, kind of, um, pipe that was blowing this warm water out. And like some, some fish were, you know, like right, right in the area where, where water was, was uh, coming out pretty quick and others were kind of floating and others were, you know, taking advantage of, you know, extra algae growth and, I feel like these deep waters have been stirred up in the last couple of years. And um, a lot of leaders are like, you know, what, what are we here for? Why, why are we doing this? And could we do this in a different way? And God, what are you calling us to do? And I just think all of that is such good, healthy change. If we allow God to, you know, work in us in these, uh, in these really interesting and sometimes dark, but also very exciting days. Well, change can lead to death, but it can also lead to renewal, right? Important to remember. And Hawaii is beautiful. I uh, fried an iPhone there once, if you remember that. David. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> that was a good trip. Yeah. I think that deserves like a 60 second, uh, you know, like um, didn't see that coming moment, which is uh -huh. that uh, we, we got to speak at a conference there and, and Carrie was telling me how 
you know, he, he had to go to a, a, a store to get a new a new iPhone. I said, well, what happened? He's like, well, it said it was waterproof, so I was trying to take pictures of of fish underwater with my iPhone. I was like, oh man, that just is such a great moment. Of like, yeah, didn't water resistant that. is not waterproof, David. <laughs> I can I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I did get a new iPhone, but uh, yeah, my wife is like, I'm pretty sure that that's not waterproof. I'm like, oh yeah, it is. Anyway, nope, she was right. <laughs> Well, we are going to be talking in just a minute to Stephen Chandler. He leads the fastest growing church in America, according to Outreach Magazine. He's a senior pastor of Union Church based in Maryland. Since 2011, Union has grown from a group of 50 to thousands of people in weekly attendance, with tens of thousands joining live online every week. Stephen, it's a cool combination. He has an obsession with people, with systems, and with culture. And uh, that's kind of led to, in part, its growth. He's a sought-after international speaker, and he's unapologetic about helping leaders maximize their God-given passion. And now, my conversation with Stephen Chandler. Stephen, it's good to have you on the podcast. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So we heard from a lot of the pastors who were considering quitting that a lot of them were considering new ways of doing church ministry, but then a lot of them said their church congregants were more closed than they were to progress. I'm sure that's the first time that's ever happened in church history, <laughs> right? I'd love to know, what would you say to those leaders who feel a gap between what they want to do and what they feel they have permission to do? Um, you know, I, I think that's the, the definition of leadership is convincing people that your way is better than their way. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So I, well, I think one of the analogies, um, I'm a sports guy, sports always comes to my mind. So you have like two different approaches uh, to winning. I'm thinking about the NFL in particular. You have people that go out and look for talent and then they develop their playbook around the talent that they have. And then you have teams, and I think about like the New England Patriots, that it's like, here's how we play football. Huh. And we're going to go find players who play our way, and we're not really changing the play for anybody because we've proven that this can win. Um, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong, but I'm saying everybody has the same goal, and winning is the goal, not keeping the players happy mm. as the goal. And I think the first step that we have to understand is as leaders of churches, we have to define winning and we have to commit to winning. And last I checked in scripture, keeping my congregants happy is not the biblical definition of winning as a pastor and as a church. What's winning? Winning's two things. It's helping lost people find Jesus, and then it's helping found people become more like Christ. So it starts off with, we got to be committed to reaching lost people, and we got to be committed to discipling found people, regardless of um, whether it's popular or whether everybody thinks that that is the best option. Not an original quote, but a quote from a, a great man, uh, let the data guide you, mm. not drive you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think it'd be foolhardy as a leader to know that your entire congregation or the majority of your congregation does not want to go in one direction, but yet you just make the decision and drive in that direction. Those are the people that God has equipped you to fulfill the vision for your church. So knowing that your church is not on board should give you an understanding of, I've got to do more work to get them on board. Mm. And I've got to make sure that I invest in them to the level 
where they see that this is the best option for us to fulfill the vision for our church. So knowing that your people don't want that change is it's my job to lead them towards desiring that change, but I can never surrender to their desires if their desires don't move us towards the vision that God's called us to have. So your church has been around since 2011. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you got 11 years and running. Yeah. Do you have any elements, even in a church plant, that's relatively recent where it's sort of like, hey, I liked it, you know, when we did it this way, not this way. Like, clearly your church has changed. Have you had any pushback to some of the changes? I've had pushback from day one, day one. to <laughs> yesterday in church. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's just human nature. People, um, you know, the, the good side of it is people believe in your vision and, and they want to dream and come up with the best ways that they think that they can accomplish it. The bad side is people don't want to submit to authority and kind of want to take over. And that's kind of just been the game, you know, from day one. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've ran into, even as a church plant, is that a lot of people, especially here in America, have some type of religious background. So they know how they think it should have been done or how it was done at the last church I came from or grandma's church or whatever it may be. And I think I think sometimes we're afraid to be strong leaders mm. because we don't want to come across as controlling or manipulative. And I, I, I remember in scripture where God said, if you're afraid in front of the people, then I'll give you something to be afraid of. Um, <laughs> it's a paraphrase. But we've got to understand that, that we're serving for an audience of one and that ultimately my responsibility is to fulfill the call of God on my life. Yeah. Now, if I'm uncertain of that call or if I'm timid about that call, then that gap of uncertainty is going to be filled in by strong leaders. Mm. But if you have a strong call and a strong vision, I'm telling you strong leaders will fall in line. One of my favorite scriptures in, uh, in the Bible, and it'll tell you a lot about my personality, is when uh, Jehu was driving uh, to kill Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And they send all these different uh, troops to, hey, do you come in peace? And Jehu said, what peace fall in line? And the ones that came to oppose Jehu actually ended up joining the troop and driving in the same direction that he was driving. In other words, Jehu had such a strong vision and he was going at such a velocity that those who initially wanted to oppose him actually joined him because they found his mission more compelling than the one that they were sent on. And I think as leaders, we have to have a vision, not, not driving people, not manipulating people, not bulldozing people, but being convicted and certain that the vision that God has given us is the best vision for our church. And you will find when you have a strong vision and a strong visionary, you're going to have strong leaders that come and support that vision instead of try to hijack the vision. I love that metaphor. You know, that's a great paraphrase. You know, what piece? Get in line. <laughs> that's, that's like, <laughs> so this is not up for a conversation. Uh, We're going up. somewhere. <laughs> so when you yeah. look at the last couple of years, what are the biggest points of pushback you've received? The biggest voices of opposition? Oh my goodness. I mean, obviously we were in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we're on the back end of it. Depends on, I'm with you what on part that. of the globe so. you are right now. <laughs> and then we had, you know, major racial uh, tension, political tension, 
Um, so I think that the easiest answer to your question is what pushback did I not have? I mean, it, it, why are you closing? We should still be open. We have faith. Uh, why are you opening back? We should be closed. You know, we need to be wise and safe. Um, why haven't you said more about the racial tension? Why did you say so much? And, you know, it, it's not unique to me. Every single pastor has gone through the same thing, most likely over the last 24 or so months. Um, but what I've found is two things. As long as, as a leader, obviously you're, you're in line with God's word. You're, you're consistent with the integrity of scripture, but then you're consistent as a leader. You're not in, you're not out, you're not up, you're not down. And then with that consistency, um, you're not afraid to make mistakes and you're not afraid to admit those, those mistakes, I think sometimes um, people try to make us as pastors um, gods. I mean, honestly, that's what they try to do with Paul. And gods are perfect. Um, pastors are not gods. They're humans. Humans are imperfect. We make mistakes. But because people try to make us that, sometimes we play into that by not admitting, hey, I got that one wrong, guys. I, I didn't say that the right way, or I should have spoken up faster, or we should have done this, or we should have done that. Now, obviously, you can't make a million mistakes because then they're going to not trust your leadership. But I think if we show our humanity and we say, man, I blew that. I missed that. Man, we should have, or, or man, I, I should have been stronger in that. There's just this, I think, a piece that comes across your congregation of, oh my goodness, this is a human. This is a man or this is a woman who's trying their best to lead us well, trying their best to walk in the things of God. And man, they're ahead of me, but I can relate to their humanity. And I think sometimes as pastors, we don't necessarily show that humanity in our leadership. How do you know what voices to listen to in which to not listen to? I think two things comes to mind when when obviously we should have people ahead of us people that have the authority and the ability to speak into our lives to correct us to lead us and for those people we're looking for a track record we're looking for evidence in their life that they actually can hear from God <laughs> that they actually can build something and and fulfill the call of God on their life and all that but I think it's important to listen to the people that you're leading to listen to the people that are putting their hands to the proverbial plow and helping you build what God's called you to build. And for those, I look for people mm -hmm. that are sacrificing for the vision. I look for people that are inconveniencing themselves to advance what God is doing. We're all familiar with the term armchair quarterback, the mm -hmm. person who sits at home on mm -hmm. Sunday night and analyzes what professionals on the field are doing, and they can never do it in a million years. Yeah. But then there's those people that they are in the trenches with you. They're giving, they're serving, they're adjusting their lives for the advancement of the kingdom of God, for the advancement of your church and your vision and all that. And ultimately, they've proven over time that all they want to do is lift your hands up and advance the vision that God's given you. I think for those people, it would be foolhardy not to listen to them, not to let them weigh in, not that they get to make the final decision, not that you're taking a poll or a survey, because ultimately it's our responsibility to hear from God and obey God. 
but you've got to know who those people are that sacrificing to bring the vision to pass. And you've got to make sure that you're allowing them to weigh in. Otherwise, you're going to look around and you're going to find out that there's not a lot of people that are following you mm. uh, after a matter of time. So this is a moment right now in the middle of 2022 where we're kind of in the middle of a great reset or a relaunch or an emergence mm. out of whatever that was. What are you innovating in? And where are you seeing innovation in the church, in the wider church, but also in your church? Yeah. So our, our church is is a, a little bit different. And I, I, um, I want to make sure that I don't sound arrogant. So I got to say it the right way. Um, we're not in a season of innovation. We're in a season of doubling down on what we feel like God's called us to do. Um, I feel like before the pandemic, our vision and strategy was what God called us to do was accurate and was pure. And I don't feel like the pandemic has changed that vision or changed that strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, Here's where the difficulty comes in. Just because you got a vision doesn't mean it's easy to execute. Just because you have a strategy doesn't mean that the strategy is working the way it's supposed to work. So all of our effort right now is how do we execute the vision the way that it's supposed to be executed when not as many people are eager to serve as Mm. they used to be. Not a lot of people are are eager to attend in person as they used to be and all that. So the complexities of 2022 has made executing the vision more complicated, Um, but the vision hasn't changed. Just to give you kind of a quick drive-by, our vision is, hey, to help people first and foremost fall passionately in love with God. Mm. We have more charismatic type of services and really creating spaces for people to have an encounter with God. Um, After that, helping people find freedom from their yesterday through small groups, through freedom opportunities and all that. Third, helping people find their God-given purpose. And then finally, helping people find a place to plug in and to live out that God-given purpose by serving in the life of the church. Um, I don't think that's changed. I think that's biblical. Man, it's just really hard to do in 2022. Yeah, it is. What are you, I mean, apart from the stuff that's sort of out there as you talk to to people who go to your church, what do you think the mm-hmm. reasons for lower volunteership and also lower return to church are? Like, there's sort of what people are saying, and then there's maybe mm-hmm. what you as a leader are sensing. What are you yes. sensing about the real reasons people are holding back? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. But I right. always do. I'm always on the edge. We, we, so we, we can just broadcast this to you and me, okay? I'm sure nobody else. I'm sure nobody else is listening. So go ahead. I'm pretty sure you did not just tell me the truth. But anyway, <laughs> correct. So our church uh, is probably down in attendance about thirty percent from where we were pr- before the pandemic. Yeah. And I am not surprised at all. And people may judge me for this, but that's okay. Before the pandemic, I would not have bet, and I know we're not supposed to gamble, just using an analogy, uh, on 30% of my church's salvation. Mm. I think 30% of my church was still checking things out, and they had not yet fully committed to Christ. They they weren't even nominal Christians. They were unbelievers who were going to church. Mm. And after two years of not having access, we opened up, but you know, obviously with the pandemic restrictions and all that, after two years of not having 
uh, access to church. They just went back to the lives that they had before. And, you know, I, I don't think our number of Christians decreased. I just think we really saw the difference between unbelievers who were attending church and then believers uh, who were committed to the church. I think the other aspect is um, there was a majority of our church that were not disciples. Mm. They were Christians. They believed in God for salvation, but the focus of their life was not to be formed into Christ. I think the last 24 months were probably some of the most selfish months I've ever seen uh, in my generation, where everybody was focused about their family, their health, their safety, and their own concerns. I'm not really going to check on my neighbor because they may have COVID or they may not have the political views that I have or whatever it may be. And I think that that selfishness has permeated throughout our churches as well. Um, and let, let's be real, it's inconvenient to come to church and have to stay for a second service to serve in kids' ministry or or to take another night out during the week so that I can you know host a small group or whatever it may be. So I think we've got to do the work of making disciples, of teaching people you get what you want by inconveniencing yourself for the sake of the gospel. That when we decrease and he increases, that's when he's able to add unto our lives. Um, so I think people weren't saved and I think people were selfish. Well, that's an interesting lens to put things through, but it, it kind of resonates. If you look at the real estate market, I'm going to get the house that I want you want to look at the great migration, right? Like over the last two years, people depopulating cities, moving all over the place. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to go live where I want, where the tax structure suits me or the political climate suits me or the geography suits me. Uh, I want, you know, the great resignation. I'm going to go find the job that suits me, which is really the cultural narrative that's out there right now. It is, you know, we said the baby boomers were the me generation, but I don't think that went away. Um, how do you preach against that? How do you how do you stand up against that and not succumb to it? I think the entire gospel opposes that. And here's why. I think the foundation of that mindset and worldview is that personal comfort is the ultimate goal of life. Mm. That the highest thing that I can attain is peace and joy. When the essence of being a follower of Christ is the highest thing you can attain is first relationship with God. And then out of an overflow of that relationship with God is hearing, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I fulfilled my purpose and my destiny here on earth. And the only reason I would inconvenience myself or sacrifice in any way is if I had vision of something that mattered to me more than the pain or the inconvenience that I'm going through. So I think as a church, we've got to get back to telling people that God has a purpose for them here on earth that is beyond just joy and convenience, that we are ambassadors of Christ, that it is your job to win your hospital or your law firm or your school district to the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So guess what? And you know, this is a big ask. I need you to pay more taxes and stay in the city that God placed you in because there's a call of God on your life in that city. 
I need you to stay at a job that doesn't let you work from home for three days and, you know, whatever it is that you're enjoying about the job that you switch to, because there's a greater purpose that you have there than just a paycheck. There's a kingdom purpose that God's assigned you to. I think connecting our congregants back to their personal kingdom assignment We'll have people once again embracing the inconvenience of being a follower of Christ. Mm. A lot there. So David also shared uh, some of the top needs that pastors self-identified. And they said, this is what we need. We need, just for a quick recap, a deeper connection to God, more clarity on how to lead in today's culture, and a vacation slash sabbatical. Like, give me a break, right? Um Love to hear your response to the list. What's resonating from that list with you? And is there any other need that you think pastors have that maybe they're not even identifying? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I need this. Yeah. Well, I think I'm, I'm in a perfect spot to answer this question uh, because I'm literally 48 hours past my four-week sabbatical. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You just like got four back. Weeks off. Just got back. Uh, this is actually my first interview, first meeting, first anything I'm doing. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> Welcome back. And and this is the first time I've taken four weeks off in 12 years of ministry. Wow. Um, and to say that I was depleted uh, would be the understatement of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, we were planning on doing it in 2020. And about three weeks before I was supposed to leave, this little pandemic broke out and that one got canceled. <laughs> And then last year, our church went through a major transition, merging with another church, so wasn't able to do it then. And, and, and here's what I found. Let's start with my relationship with God. Not, not guilt, not shame, just sobered. How much more clearly I'm able to hear God on this side of rest mm. than on the other side of mm. rest. And um, I, I didn't spend four weeks praying and fasting and in yeah. solitude. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, uh, I went to Disney World, and that was the most non-restful place <laughs> that I've ever. Yeah, gone that's not with. a vacation. No, it was a trip. But the kids had a blast, and my wife, man, she had more fun than the kids. But I find with more margin and just more sleep that I was able to hear the voice of God, remind myself, and have the Holy Spirit remind me why I stepped into ministry in the first place why I actually do love what I do in spite of all the pain and inconveniences and setbacks and all that other good stuff. And I think one of the greatest, I'll just throw myself under the bus and then pastors listening can, you know, kind of fit in where they get in. One of the greatest issues with my relationship with God has been busyness and exhaustion and a lack of rest. Um, So I think really that I need a vacation and I need a sabbatical is married to the man, I don't feel as connected to God uh, as I used to, because the time that I would use to connect with God, I'm fixing problems. It's funny, Carrie, because I'm I'm literally in the middle of figuring out how not to get back to the place of exhaustion that I was in. Well, that was my next question. Like, what are you changing about your current rhythms? I love how Mm. God speaks to us. This morning, my Bible reading was Acts chapter 6. And it said that the church was having a conflict because one people group, it was a racial tension because the widows of one people group were not receiving provision as the other people groups were. And this is going to be, this is going to be a little bit of drama, Carrie. Hmm. We're talking about racism. 
You could probably throw in a little bit of political tension, all that other kind. Of, and look what the apostles said. We got ungodliness. We got lack of discipleship. We have issues. But it's still not worth us neglecting prayer and the study of the word. Not that we're not going to deal with the issues of the church, but we're going to find anointed men that have wisdom to deal with that so that we don't have to neglect what God has called us to do. And if I could be honest with you, Carrie, I've neglected my relationship with God to fix issues in my church. And that's just not biblical. And if I could be honest with you, it wasn't out of rebellion. It wasn't out of this Messiah complex. It was out of, and we're a church plant that is really reaching lost people. I don't have a lot of men and women that are anointed and have wisdom. <laughs> I, I didn't have Stephen and Barnabas that I can send to, you know, the conflict that I'm having on my parking team or whatever it may be. And it was a little bit out of necessity. And I think that God understands that. So I think there's pastors out there who are like, man, I would love to find people that can deal with the issues in my church so I can go pray fast and hear from God. I just don't have them. And I think my conclusion is, I may not have them, but finding them, raising them up must be non-negotiable. And it must be my number one obsession. Because if I don't find them, if I don't raise them up, I will end up filling my calendar with things as a senior leader that God has not called me to do. Mm. And something is going to get robbed. And it's going to be my relationship with God. And it's going to be my relationship with my family. Uh, that gets robbed. So I think the one thing that's missing on this list that pastors are like, I don't have, is men and women that can hold my hand up. Mm. Men and women that when there's a major tension in the church, they can go deal with it with anointing and wisdom. And I don't have to step into that situation and away from what God's called me to do. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, when I look back on my leadership, often my exhaustion was a failure to delegate and really a power a team or the body of Christ. So that's good. Stephen, you got a new book coming out. Um, it's coming out in I September. Do. Yeah. I do. It's called Stop Waiting for Permission, uh, which I'm, I'm pumped about. I, if you know anything about me, I love scripture, mm. but I just love looking at it in a little bit of an ignorant way. And uh, the book is kind of built around uh, when the disciples came to Jesus. And first of all, they had their mother ask, mm. hey, when you come into your kingdom, can my son sit on your right and on your left? So I got this little jab in the book of if your mama has to set you up, I don't think that greatness is in your future. <laughs> <laughs> but good. here was Jesus's response to the disciples' ambition. He said, here's how the world pursues greatness. They step on one another. They're selfish. They, you know, self-promote and all that. He said, but in the kingdom of God, if anybody desires to be great, he must make himself servant of all. And as I read it, something, you know how it is when the Holy Spirit just brings a revelation you've never seen before. Jesus never rebuked them for their ambition. He never rebuked them for their desire to be great. His only rebuke was them wanting to do it the world's way instead of doing it the kingdom way. Hmm. And the whole premise of the book is that there is greatness inside of every single person. 
And it is not godliness to play small, to play insignificant, to, no, I'm, I'm just content with what God's given me. No, you're complacent because greater is he that's in you than anything that you can face in this world. So it's kind of my story of going from, you know, kind of just not thinking that God could do much of anything with my life to a place where God has exceeded my wildest dreams and really hoping that it can help people see that while God uses using me in a special way, that I'm not unique and that he actually desires to use every believer in a way that's above and beyond anything that they could imagine. Wow. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and investing in leaders. And this has been a season. We are actually, you just got back from break, but we're actually taking a summer break from new episodes. So there'll be uh, just the archive for you in July and August of this year. But there is so much that you can gain listeners. And uh, we'll be back in the fall. And in the meantime, want to encourage you to look for Stephen's upcoming book, Stop Waiting for Permission. It's going to be out in September of 2022. I imagine they can pre-order it now. And Stephen, what's a website where they can find you and your church? Um, theunionchurch.com or stephenrchandler.com. And you can find everything about us there. And Carrie, mm-hmm. just thank you so much for all you do. You are a gift to the kingdom of God. Stephen, that means the world. Thank you. We do our best, and uh, it's so encouraging to see what you're doing, how God is using you. And leaders, we're going to miss you, but uh, we are around via the archive for the next little while. In the meantime, do you know that the Resilient Pastor Cohort is continuing to recruit people, and you can grow as a resilient leader this fall. I think this is more important than ever. You can connect with the faculty who include Glenn Packiam, Danielle Strickland, Sharon Hade-Miller, Rich Velotis, Ashley Island, and Scott Sauls. So go to barna.com slash pastor cohort. You'll get a listener discount by using the uh, promo code CPW15. That'll give you 15% off. That's barna.com slash pastor cohort. Thanks so much for listening, Stephen. Thanks again. And uh, well, we will catch you in the archive, and again in the fall. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.